Night Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is your home for the info you need to make yourself a smarter better. NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, they've got you covered. Just go to BetQL.com, promo code SGP30. That's BetQL.com, promo code SGP30 for 30% off. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports bettors, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure to subscribe to our page so you don't miss a pick at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And finally, we're also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge is like a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. The best part is, is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG betting that's legal in 40 states. Sign up at BetterEdge.com, promo code SGP, for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com, promo code SGP. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We are up to episode 18, I believe. Um, our little baby's growing up on us, um, old enough to vote, I guess, now and go to war and go to bars and if, if uh, our podcast lives in Quebec. But enough, enough of that. Um, I'm your host, Jeff Fox, as uh, I have been every week and has I've been John Fox ever since I was born, actually. True story there. Um, I, other than hosting this podcast, I am a writer and editor at the our our home base, the sportsgamblingpodcast.com. I also run mma-manifesto.com. Um, and I'm going to gloat a little bit, but not yet, because I actually had a good week for picks for a change. But uh, first, I will introduce you to my partner in crime here. Um he hosts the Top Turtle MMA podcast uh, as well as the Prelim Picker podcast. He also writes for MMA-Manifesto.com and for the SportsGamblingPodcast.com. He basically follows me around. Uh, wherever I go, he follows. So that's just the way it goes. So that's fine. He's like my kid, my little kid brother or something like that. Um, some uh, an online commenter suggested that he actually retires because his, his picks are so <laughs> picks are so bad. Um, I'm hoping he doesn't follow that advice. But uh, I am speaking of, of course, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Hello. Yeah, Mr. they're brutal Vreeland. to me. But again, I was mediocre, and I will say we are the mediocre boys. So if you yes. if you went above and beyond being mediocre this week, I actually suggest that you retire. I yes, uh, I went six and two, which is definitely not mediocre whatsoever, and actually made money for a change. Um, and Dan went four and four, which is very—that's the epitome of of being <laughs> mediocre. Um, he lost money as per usual. Uh, we both hit on a juicy plus one sixty dog though, which was nice. Um, Tiago Moises, um, and that was one of the ones I gave you on my video um, on. What's that say? Better than Vegas, our, one of our lovely sponsors. I, I gave you that pick there. I think all my picks actually on that video paid off, except for the Montana De La Rosa um, Silva fight because that one ended up being a draw. But yes, uh, I ended up going six and two, um, and Dan was four and four. So for the year, I'm still uh, not doing so hot. 34, 39, 47 percent. Dan is 26 and 47. So he's above the um, 
above the uh, third now. You're at 36 percent. So if we're talking baseball, you're right in the top of the leaderboard for batting average. So that's, yeah, I'm a that's Hall of Famer downright. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you can keep that up for your career, 36%, you're, you're definitely a Hall of Famer for sure. I, I like um, to think I can do at least that good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm still trying to get up to, what, 60 or 64 or whatever I was last year. Uh, that's I'm about, what, 10 missed, uh, missed um, fights uh, fr- from that mark this year. So it's not a huge amount, but we're going to, we're going to need some more six and two weeks uh, coming up. So let's briefly break down last week's um, gone versus Rosenstreicher, Rosenstreicher versus gone, I guess is how it was. Uh, it should have been the other way around uh, based on the results um, because we have a massive card to break down uh, for this week coming up. So uh, the main event Dan swung for the fences with uh, Yair Rosenstrike, which I thought was not a bad pick whatsoever, uh, especially for at plus 215. But he lost a very boring fight to Cyril Gain. I want to call him Gone. Um, <laughs> if he's if he's French, his last name should be Gone. Um, I took French all through school, all the way, all through high school, and if his, his name should be Cyril Gone in, in my books, but it's Cyril Gain apparently, or Gone is it's Gain. I everyone it, calls him right. I think it's or Gain. I think it's game. Yeah. I'm pretty sure when I interviewed him last week, I'm pretty sure I called him three different things in the interview. Yeah. So I, I don't think necessarily he's all that picky about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, he should be gone. But regardless, um, he's being criticized a bit, but he basically fought smart and, and he got the biggest win of his career. So I don't, it doesn't matter what any of us says. It probably matters a bit what Dana White says. He didn't seem too impressed. But uh, if you want to pay people – double their money if they win, then uh, you're going to get performances like that sometimes because people don't want to give up half their money. And he basically said that. Yeah, and I will say this too. I'm kind of surprised that the people out there who are criticizing it were surprised that he fought that way. Because part of, if you listen to our breakdown last week, that's part of why I liked Rosenstrick, right? Because he swings for the fences. Granted, he he didn't so much in this fight. Like he, he was clearly scared off or he couldn't find his entries or whatever it was. But he goes for it, right? And that's not what Gain does, right? Like, Gain repeatedly is the type of fighter who is a safe, technical type of fighter. Well, I mean, look at his fight with Tanner Boser. Like, he just picked away at Tanner Boser and didn't finish him. And, like, if you're talking about him being one of the top... Now we're talking about him being one of the top three or four heavyweights in the world, right? He, he's probably just behind the the Derek Lewis, Francis Naganu, uh, Stephen Miocic level. He's right there as like number four. He he is still not a guy who chases knockouts, right? Like he he is the epitome of the opposite end of that spectrum. So I, I'm not surprised he fought that way. I'm not surprised that he's not gonna go out there and swing wildly with Yair Rosenstrike being that he didn't even with Tanner Boser. Um, and, and like, yeah, some people were like, well, then he could have used his ground game because he's shown he's had a good ground game. Yeah, he showed he had a good ground game against two guys who had no idea what they were doing on the ground. No offense to Dante Mays. That heel hook looked like he was grabbing his leg and D- Dante Mays was like, I don't know what he's going to do with that, but let's find out. Uh, and the other guy was just like fell into an arm triangle. So I'm not sold on his ground game, but I do think that this like, technician type style on the feet works is smart doesn't risk getting him knocked out and like i wasn't surprised that this is the way he won no of course not um and why would you rush into a, a guy like rosenstrike who who can put your lights out um when you have a size and reach advantage on him then you should fight exactly the way you fought if there's going to be any criticism probably should go to 
to Biggie Boy, who, who did not basically engage at all during during the fight. Uh, his takedown defense looked decent, but other than that, I don't know what else you can really say that was was on point for him. Yeah, and, and in retrospect, too, it, this isn't the first time we saw this out of him, right? Like, th- a similar thing happened in that Overeem fight where he looked a little tentative and was getting picked apart from the outside. And eventually, like, he let go and found his opening and launched it with a few seconds left. But it just seemed like, you know, game being a little bit more technical maybe than Overeem and a little bit safer than Overeem, especially in the waning moments. I think maybe he just never found that opening. Uh, So, like, I I guess, too, even though I did think he was going to find the opening and I did think he was going to land the big bomb, like, maybe this isn't the most surprising of outcomes. No. Uh, Probably, uh, probably not. So, anyhow, it, um, but I think we've, Agreed that Rosenstrike is a hashtag chunky guy. After I, I think he's a chunky guy, especially given uh, – thank shout, shout out to my wife uh, for, for pointing out too that uh, in, in her words specifically, he has a donk uh, because yes. those shorts were probably a little too small for him. <laughs> With, without questions. So where do you think um, the big Frenchman goes next? Uh, where does where – does, uh, Cyril, who does he fight next or, or – uh, I think this is pretty obviously set up for him to fight uh, Derek Lewis next. Right. Um, is as much as Derek Lewis really impressed and, and to Dana White and to a lot of other people, uh, Surreal didn't. The fact of the matter is both of them are pretty damn close to being able to say that they have a legitimate claim for the title. And would there not be John Jones waiting in the wing for the winner of Francis Naganu and, and Stipe? You would probably say one of them already has it. But in the meantime, we're talking about two title fights that are going to roll around with neither of these two getting them. So we got to imagine both of them need one more win. Or, you know, if either of them decides that they're going to sit and wait and see what happens, the other one is going to pick up a win and look better. So I think the only logical thing is to to book that as a headliner sometime in, you know, the next three months or something like that. And then just the winner of that versus the winner of John Jones and, and the champ uh, just makes all the sense in the world, I think. Yep. Um, but would we not, um, would Gain versus Lewis not basically be a, almost a replay of Gain versus Rosenstrike? I, Lewis is, is obviously more uh, more aggressive, but I, I could see it playing out exactly the same way. I could see it playing out that way. I can also see it playing out like uh, Derek Lewis versus Francis Naganu too, because like yep. they, they kind of pump faked each other for 15 minutes as well. I think booking it in a five-round fight eliminates the, the chances that Lewis doesn't pull the trigger a couple of times. Like, I, I think ultimately he's going to be less tentative than Rosenstreich, especially given what's on the line for him now. Like, he knows how close he is to getting that elusive second. There's not a lot of guys in the heavyweight division who've worked their way back to a second shot at the title after missing on the first one. So... He knows how close he is to that. He knows that he's got that right in his pocket, especially if he keeps cutting interviews that people laugh at. So I think you would see him aggressive enough to hurt. And I think also, too, a performance like this, people having just watched the real game, I don't think a lot of people are going to be afraid of his big power. I think he's got some power, but I think, too, you would see Lewis be more aggressive because he's not real worried about what can happen to him. Yep, it's true. It's true. He he's fought far bigger hitters than than Gain. If if those two do uh, do end up matching up down down the road, and I agree with you, it 
that's basically the only thing that makes sense at this point um, for the division, for the two of them. Um, really not much else to, to speak of um, uh, on the fight car. We had, what, uh, s- seven decision uh, eight, victories. Eight? Oh, yeah. yeah one, well, that, one, that, one decision yes, not victory. Yeah. <laughs> well, one, one decision not victory. We have a draw. We had a draw. Seven. So basically eight fights went to decision. One fight. Uh, Ronnie Lawrence, who looked very good against Vince Cachero. Uh, we whiffed on that one. I think that's one that Dan got told off about online. Um <laughs> That yeah, he, he looked very good. He won by TKO the rest of the night was decisions. Yeah, I didn't find it really boring. Um I guess I'm a fan though, but uh none of the fights really dragged or anything, but but we, we had a, a bunch of decisions. Um we hit on Tiago Moises, who looked very good against Alexander Hernandez, which we both are not we're not surprised about what uh, whatsoever, right? I'm not surprised at all that he won, but I am a little bit surprised in watching it how he won. Because I, right. I thought for sure we would see him start to grapple if he yep. had any trouble, or even just to keep Hernandez on his toes. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't gone back and watched it, or I haven't looked at any stats on it or anything like that, but I'm not sure he even attempted a takedown. Um, mm, I don't think so. And if he didn't, what a baller game plan that is for Tiago Moises to go in and just absolutely dominate and outstrike a striker I also think it's it's worth noting, too, how dangerous Moises is and how possibly we're looking at a big run in the division here because he's got wins over Michael Johnson, Bobby Green, and Alexander Hernandez, three guys who've been in the top 15 at some point in time in their career. He's looked amazing against all of them, and he's only 25 years old, which I think people forget, too. I sort of lump him in with like guys like... Benil Dariush is like jujitsu experts from Brazil, and I think that they're all magically 36 years old. And, and, and it's he's kind of like a refreshing young guy for this division. Definitely, and he was very uh, confident, even cocky uh, on his feet. Uh, looking at the stats, he officially tried one takedown, it says. He was 0 for 1, um, and he landed three more strikes than, than Hernandez. But it, it sounds closer than it was. I, he clearly, uh, clearly won the fight, and I, I don't think he was in any risk of, of losing it um, via decision at all. Um, Hernandez, Hernandez tends to disagree with your, your assessment because oh, he was God, shocked. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so, that, that's, one of, I forgot, that's one of my pet peeves is fighters who – clearly lose fights and they they have a meltdown when the decisions read out that, did you that see they lost his coach, like did you see his coach ask bruce buffer if he read the card wrong no uh, no i didn't see that oh, yeah. he asked him so if he it, read the card wrong it, so it wasn't just a heat of, he, uh hernandez was uh heat of battle and he doesn't really know who's winning it was yeah okay well that's uh that, that doesn't speak well for his future if if they can't see uh see fights clearly have for what actually happens in it um I was punished again for committing treason. Alexis Davis <laughs> got a win. Um, a very impressive win over Sabina Mazzo. Um, other than that, really, like, like I said, not, not much to talk about on the night. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was fine. Um, a fine car to watch. We only ended up with nine fights because um, COVID and all that pandemic nonsense. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a decent night. It was a good night for me for picks. And Dan will we'll take a four for four. He's seen, he uh, considers that a win at this point, I think, right? Yeah, and it was pretty... I, I, you, I'm sure you got the official numbers because I know the lines change as we get a little bit closer and you, you mark down the lines when we record. But I actually think I was probably pretty close to even too because a lot of my wins were close to even money wins. Plus I had the, the underdog. We're probably getting close there. 
I do also, you know, just quickly before we move on to the other card, too, you said not a ton more to mention. I do want to mention Pedro Munoz with the calf kicks was just oh, yes, a yes. pleasure to watch. And I got that one wrong. I love Jimmy Rivera. Uh, I'm a big fan. He He's talking about going back to 145 or going up to 145 next, right. which might be an interesting move for him. But, you know, just uh, the calf kicks continue to be like this this narrative in MMA right now. And, and man, did Pedro Munoz – you know, extend that, that, uh, narrative a little bit further. Yeah. It, that, yeah, that was very, very impressive. Um, I will admit my, I flipped on a couple of my picks for my online column. I flipped to Rivera and I flipped to De La Rosa. So one of those bit me, um, online, uh, I, um, cause, you know, do more research and like, uh, yeah, I think Rivera's going to win, but, but haha, I, I didn't say that in the podcast. So that's a, <laughs> that's a win for me. Haha. And then, um, yeah, I, I was thinking Della Rosa was uh, the superior striker, even though um, her face clearly did not show that last night. Um, and um, that one turned out, out to be a wash anyway because it was the it was a draw. So um, we'll put that one in the books. Uh, and for the record, you you were down 105 bucks last night if you bet 100 in every fight, Dan. So close, but no cigar. Not, um, not too bad though. No, no, not not horrible. Now we have a. Ma- Massive fight card coming up this week with like massive in quality and massive in quantity. So we should probably dive into that or we're going to be here all day. Um, first, let's tell you about one of our sponsors, BetQL. Uh, you want to get an advantage of a sports book when it comes to betting? Obviously you do. Uh, so you need to download BetQL, the only app you'll need to make smart bets. BetQL has sharp data on college basketball, NBA, and the NHL. So if you want an inside edge for who the props are backing, you need to check out BetQL. I was peeking at it today and I see they have my Phoenix Suns listed as a, as a lock to win their next game. So I appreciate that. Um, they have tons of sportsbook offers for your state. Make sure you head to the app store or Google play store and download BetQL. Bet smarter, not harder. So head to betql.com, enter the code SGP 30 and you get 30% off your first subscription. So promo code SGP 30 at betql.com. All right. Um, I haven't done the math yet over at MMA dash manifesto.com. I have a, have a formula that I, I rank fight cards uh, as to the strength of strength of it on paper based on on how how good the fighters are. I haven't done this one yet, but I'm assuming this one's going to be one of the highest ones I've, I've ever ranked um, because this has got three title fights on the card, um, four champions because um, one of them is a champ versus a champ fight, and then the undercard is is stacked also. So uh, we would be speaking of, of course, UFC 259 at Blackowitz versus Adesanya, which is going to be at the UFC Apex. This Saturday, March the 6th, um, yeah, I always forget to check you check out the start times. Pay-per-view will be starting at 10, as per usual. Um, the main prelim portion will be on ESPN, ESPN Plus at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. And then the prelims will be on um, Fight Pass and ESPN Plus. Um, one second. I'm guessing they're probably going to be starting around six or so. Um, usually that's when they start six six thirty. Um, do, 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 do. here we go. But th- this will all change because a billion fights will fall off the card I'm sure, before <laughs> we actually get to the night. But anyhow, at this point, six o'clock. Yes, yeah, six o'clock is the is the early prelim portion, which is where we will start also. Let's start with some bantamweights. Um, Mario Batista, who will be taking this fight on short notice uh, versus Trevin Jones. It's actually very short notice. It was just announced on the 16th of of February. So we're talking like, oh, that's a couple weeks. So maybe that's enough for him. Um, Let's break down Trevin Jones first. 
he is as a pro 12 and six um, with one no contest. He's got two knockouts, four submissions. Uh, his UFC debut, he won via TKO, but then he got busted for weed. Uh, apparently, they think that helps you knock people out, so that got changed to a no contest. Uh, he has an inch reach advantage over Batista. Grappling stats are in his favor, but it's a very small sample size. Um, he's at plus 185 at this point. As for Batista, 8-1 as a pro. Three knockouts, three submissions, so a fairly... Um, well-rounded dude. Two and one in the UFC. He dropped his uh, debut, but then he's won two straight. Um, like I said earlier, he's taking this on late notice. He is two inches taller, um, three years younger, and striking stats in his favor, which is still the number one predictor for for who's going to win a fight. And he is at minus two twenty-five, which is another massive factor. I'm uh, picking who's going to win a fight. Um, favorites are since 2020, starting 2020 favorites are winning 67% of the time. Um, I'm still giving out the height stat, but there, uh, I just started tracking whether that actually has an advantage or a disadvantage or, or whatnot, has any effect at all on fights. I started tracking it 2021 and right now it's the shorter guy has been winning, but it's only 53% of the time. So I'm thinking, that's, that probably doesn't make much a difference. Reach is a little um, more important than than height at this point, but I'll throw it out there at this point. Anyhow, uh, um, so what do you think of this fight, Dan? You, you told me off air. I got a sneak peek on your thoughts, but let's let all our lovely listeners hear too. I'm going with Mario Batista here. I'm, I'm first of all a big fan of him. I think people underrate him fairly heavily based on his debut. He took that fight on six days' notice and fought Corey Sanhagen on the first ever fight on ESPN. So, like, the guy put himself in the highest pressure situation against who, who, let's be honest, probably a future title challenger and maybe even a future champion in Corey Sanhagen. So, I think the fact that people wrote him off after that is tough. He's coming off that knockout win over Miles Johns, which looked good. And I know, too, we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit that we we try not to pick the guy on short notice because it's a dangerous fight for them. But I will also say that I got a sneak peek into his training camp and talking to him this week for, for the Top Turtle podcast. And, and he said that actually when he, two of his teammates are fighting on this card in both uh, Casey Kenny and Kyler Phillips, when they went into training camp for their fights, he just decided he was going to pretend he had a fight. So, like, he has been in like a six to eight week intensive training camp with two guys who are getting ready for fights at his same weight or right around his same weight. So, like, I think his training camp is probably a lot better. And in addition to that, let's go back and remember that win for Trevin Jones. The guy was pretty much out in the first round. If the ref had stopped it, nobody would have had any problem with him losing that fight. You know, obviously the comeback was impressive. He's very tough. He's got power in his hands. I just think Batista probably out-wrestles him here if he wants to. And I think he's a little sharper on the feet, too. Yeah, I I was um, thinking Jones, but um, hearing that about his camp, um, in fact he's he's been training. And then when you when you look at um, who Batista's put in, put away uh, and who he's fought recently, uh, I think he's he's the one to go with here. Not so positive about the minus two twenty five though. It seems a little high, especially with the late notice fight don't you think or, yeah, or is yeah, that, that about right that number definitely seems a little steep to me i'd like to see it a little closer together especially because of trevin jones having his full training camp as well which he didn't yep. have for his last fight but i will say his most of trevin jones's training camp has been for randy costa who i, I like right. Randy costa a lot but a very different type of fighter than mario batista you know big swinging guy who's going to go out there and pop with him Whereas Mario Batista's got a sneaky good wrestling game. He can take people down. He's he's a little bit more of a grinder. 
So I think, too, the style change is going to be tricky for Trevin Jones if he had put a lot of stock into fighting what would have been a fight-of-the-night-looking fight against uh, Randy Costa. Right. And you should listen to us because uh, prelims, we usually do fairly good. Um, so this that's why we give them pretty much as even even amount of time as, as we do the main card because there's money to be made on the prelims. Um, just because they're, they're not in the main event doesn't mean the money is any different. Um, you can actually get an advantage if, if you know a bit about some of these unknown guys. So let's move on to lightweights. So Euros Medic, I'm guessing it's Medic. Could be medic, but I'm thinking, is it medic? I think it's medic, but it's interesting to yeah. note too because it does look like medic. And if you look at his uh, his official nickname, I'm pretty sure it's the doctor. So oh, like, I, I think he's playing with that pronunciation a little bit. <laughs> Maybe uh, he, he's fighting one of the cruises on. There's two cruises on the uh, card, uh, not related, but this is Elon Cruz. Um, and like I said, I believe I said this will be lightweight. So let's go start with Cruz. He is eight and three as a pro, two knockouts, two submissions. He dropped his UFC debut. Uh, he got into the big show after winning on Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, he's been out of action since February of 2020. So we're talking about a month or um, or a month. I'm talking a year. Uh, he's been out. I'm just starting that those stats, and it looks like. Inactive fighters have only been winning 44% of the time thus far. I haven't finished crunching the numbers yet for 2021, and I may go back to 2020. So it's looking like um, it, it is a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, ring rust is a real thing, uh, despite what the other crews on the card think. So, um, and he's got he's got a crazy seven-inch reach advantage, which is nuts because he's an inch shorter than Medich. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, he's plus 140. Uh, Medich, um, Dr. Medich, uh, 6 and 0 as a pro, four knockouts, two submissions. So he's never gone to the distance um, in a fight, and he's never lost either. Uh, this will be his debut. He also is a Dana White Contender Series alum. Uh, he won his fight there. Uh, like I said, he's an inch taller, four years younger. Uh, striking stats in his favor, but we're talking small sample sizes for both these guys. Uh, one or two fights tops. Uh, he's up minus 170. I think I'm going to go with the doctor in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Medich too. Um, my, my reasoning is uh, a lot of it is, I, I, first of all, I'm not very high on Ursus Medich. Uh, I think his lack of takedown defense and the way that he, he, he's got kind of like just wild aggression when he comes forward. He throws really nice combinations, but like they don't seem calculated all that much. Um, and he gets countered. And if you've looked back on his regional circuit, he, he's gotten taken down quite a few times and wound up on his back. And, you know, he's fought back in all of those and won in all of those. But I think it's going to be a problem in the UFC. I just think the UFC gave him the perfect opponent here in Alon Cruz, uh, who's a guy who has no interest in going to the ground with him. Uh, has no wrestling really to speak of, uh, you know, sort of fancies himself as like distant range sniper and is also coming off of having been backed down by somebody with tons of aggression, right? Like if you look at his last fight against Spike Carlisle, he literally lost that same exact type of fight. He literally got backed down by a shorter guy with less reach who like swarmed him and overwhelmed him in just a minute and a half. So I think Medich follows that same exact game plan. I don't know if it ends as quick, but I expect Medich to be able to catch him here. All right, there we go. Uh, Green once again. Um, Welterweights, this is quite a matchup here. This card is um, this is another thing we we talked about in our pre-production meeting. Because we we do lots of pre-production here, let me tell you. Um, we're talking about how hard this card is is to pick, and I, the the betting line for this fight may not. Um, 
may not speak to that, but I think this is a tough one to pick here. And this would be a welterweight fight between uh, Sean Brady and Jake Matthews. Uh, Matthews, uh, he's young, but he's been in the UFC forever. He is 17 and four as a pro, uh, four knockouts, seven submissions, but he's 10 and four in the UFC. So he's been around for ages. Um, he's won three straight fights. He's won six of his last seven uh, inch taller and an inch of reach in his vantage and two years younger, despite all this um, experience. He is a younger man here. He's at plus 180. Uh, Brady is a perfect 13 and 0 as a pro, including 3 and 0 in the UFC. He's got three knockouts, three submissions, grappling stats in his favor. He's at minus 220. Um, first off, do you think the number, this number is a little wacky like I do, or, or do you think it's justified? Well, I'm going to start with, yes, I think the number is wacky. And on that same note token, that's why I'm taking Jake Matthews in this fight. Yeah, too. exactly. I, I yeah. like Sean Brady a lot. I will say, I think the the sky is kind of the limit for him in the UFC. He he reminds me a lot of Jake Matthews as Jake Matthews came into the UFC, right? Like he's very physical, very strong. He's got that stacky sort of build and you almost look at him and you're like, that dude could probably out wrestle so many people in this division, especially after what he did to Ishmael Nariev. But the problem is, is he's up against a guy who is sort of, I, I feel like the kryptonite to that, right? Like Jake Matthews is a very good wrestler in his own right. He is also incredibly physically strong. And I think he probably has the striking advantage here too. I, you know, like for, for everybody out there who's like, oh, I, I don't know if he's got the the wrestling to stop him. Remember that Jake Matthews took down Li Jingliang twice and, and like fairly easily too and beat the hell out of him. So like, this is a guy who's got, and especially as he's progressed in his career and has gotten older and, and sort of figured things out, this is a guy whose wrestling has looked phenomenal. Uh, the last time he conceded a takedown was in November of 2017. Like, he is going to give Sean Brady problems with the wrestling. And if that, that stalemate's out, I, I definitely favor Jake Matthews in this fight. And that's kind of what I think is going to happen. This is going to stall out as a wrestling match. We might see some prolonged clinch exchanges, but I think Matthews might have the better gas tank and is probably going to look better on the feet. And, and granted, I will say, you know, like if you look, Sean Brady's numbers are better as far as striking goes, but I think a lot of those get inflated with the amount of time he spends in, in positive grappling situations, either clinching against the cage or on the ground. He sort of inflates those numbers, right? You're going to see him land a bunch of significant strikes if he does get to those. I just don't think he's in those enough to, to beat somebody like Jake Matthews, who you know, also has good submissions too. Yep. No, he's, uh, and you look at his resume and how long he's been around yet only 26 and He's uh, out of Jackson Lake, so he's probably wrestling John Jones uh, frequently. Uh, things like that. I think he's definitely worth a, a swing at, at this this kind of money. Um, plus 180 is uh, nice to me. So let's both let's both uh, back him. This this actually could be a fight a fight of the night. These these two guys can go. So it's a good matchup. Um, let's go light heavyweights. Kennedy and Zichuku versus Carlos Olberg. Um, Alberg, actually, let's go with the harder to pronounce first. Enzo Chukwu, seven uh, as a pro, four knockouts. Um, he lost his USA debut, but then won uh, his last fight. He it took him two swings, uh, two wins on the contender series, but it got him in um, into the the big show after winning winning twice there. Um, he's got an inch 
of height, six, in six inches of reach, two years younger than Ulberg. Um, grappling stats are in his favor. Uh, of note, he's been out since August of 2019, though. Um, as for Ulberg, uh, he's only had three pro fights, uh, two knockouts. Um, this will be his UFC debut. He is 1-0 one, one on the Contender Series. That's what got him in here. Uh, striking stats in his favor, but we're talking very small sample size. He's at minus 200. Um, I don't really know too much. I've probably watched the Contender Series fight, but I don't gain anything in this brain of mine. Um, so what, what are you thinking of this matchup? Is Albert really worth the minus 200 after only three pro fights? I actually think he is, and, and it's a shame because yeah. I like Zuchuku, and and I just think the problem here is that if you go back and you look at that that fight, that Zuchuku is coming off of a win over Darko Stasek, if I'm remembering it correctly, I'm pretty sure Zuchu would have lost that fight if they didn't take two points away from Darko Stoizic for, like, 37 dick kicks. Um, which, right. which is, you know, like, if, if that's your lone win in the UFC and it was two years ago, not a real great way to go. Stoizic kind of put him up against the cage and, and you know, did what he needed to and, and would have done what he needed to had he not, you know, had points taken away. Uh, Zuchuko, I think, it has like a lot of room to grow. He's he's very gifted, and he's working with Fortis MMA. There's a lot of positives here, but you know, like if you go back and look at Olberg, yeah, three and zero, kind of dangerous to pick a guy who's three in a row. He's also like 150 and 12 or something in kickboxing. So like at the same time, doesn't look like he has a lot of experience. He's got a ton of experience. He trains with Izzy. Like it, th there's so much to like about Olberg here, and I think too at light heavyweight. Zuchuku is not a guy who's super hard to hit. So with a guy who's got crazy knockout power like like Olberg, I, I think Olberg is the smart pick here, and I think he probably wins it pretty easily. All right, let's go with Olberg. Um, go with the go with the chalk. Um, and the prelim main event it shows you how stacked this card is because we got a fun flyweight one on the early prelim. Uh, sorry, early prelim main event. Uh, Tim Elliott versus Jordan Espinosa. Um, this right now is a pick'em fight. Um, they're both at minus 115 as of this recording. Uh, Elliot is 16, 11, and one as a pro. Three knockouts, six submissions. Um, of note, he has lost five times via submission, so that's something to, to keep in mind. Uh, Espinosa has a lot of submission wins. Uh, he's five and nine in the UFC. This is his second kick in the can at the UFC. Um, he won his last fight. Uh, he lost his three straight before then, and he's only won two of his last six. He is an inch taller. Um, grappling stats are in his favor. That's for Espinosa, 15, 8, uh, and 1, no contest. Two knockouts, seven submissions. Um, two and three in the UFC. He's only won one of his last three fights. He lost his last fight. Uh, also, he also is a alum of Contender Series. He won his fight there. He's got three inches of reach, three years younger. Like I said, this is both a uh, uh, this is a pick'em fight. They're both at minus 115. I think you're going to take Espinoza in this one. Yeah, I'm actually going to lean on Tim Elliott for this one. And, okay. and the reason is sort of what you mentioned. You, you said Jordan Espinoza, a lot of submissions on his record. But if you look, he doesn't have one in the last uh, nearly four years, three and a half years yep. since he last scored a submission. And if you look at his losses in the UFC too, a lot of them are – him realizing he's outmatched on the feet, switching to his wrestling game, and getting subbed in his sort of desperation wrestling game, right? Like Alex Perez caught him in a triangle choke, or an arm triangle choke. Matt Schnell caught him in a triangle choke. Both, you know, after him trying to take it to the ground, David Dvorak kind of like, you know, just out-scrambled him, put him against the cage. 
You're looking at Tim Elliott, who maybe is one of the greatest scramblers the flyweight division has ever yep. seen. And yes, does he have his problems with grappling? Absolutely. He's been he, he's got that kind of like supper B subbed mentality. But with that that mentality, you know, he's going up against a guy who hasn't subbed a few times. And you know, you mentioned he, he's got two submission losses in his last four fights. Those submission losses are to Brandon Royval and Davison Figueredo, who might be two of the best guys in this division. So I got a lot of faith in Tim Elliott. That losing streak doesn't concern me as much as it does to other people. And granted, he did break it. He, he does have a win off over Ryan Benoit in his last fight. But I actually think he's probably going to outscramble Jordan Espinosa, maybe even lock up a submission here. But if he doesn't, he scrambles enough to keep it on his feet. And he definitely, I think, has the striking advantage here. I think we should note, um, I believe, uh, for knowing you all these years, I believe you're a Tim Elliott mark, though, are you not? Uh, I, ooh, a little no? bit. I, I do really love Tim Elliott, but I will say I picked against him in the Roy Vall fight because, well, then again, I am also a little bit of a Brandon Roy Vall mark uh, yeah. because I do enjoy him quite a bit. Um, I do enjoy Raw Dog quite a bit. But, uh, <laughs> Great freaking nickname, by the way. Um, and uh, But yeah, no, I, I like Tim Elliott. I think, you know, I, I've always been sold on him. Maybe this is a better way to say it. Maybe I'm not like a super fan of him, but I am, have always been sold on how good he is based on how good he looked against uh, Demetrius Johnson. I, I think that that right, performance yeah, against Demetrius yeah. Johnson just shows how talented he is. And I actually think he's gotten better since then. So, you know, f for the results not to be showing it, sure. But like, I actually think... Like I said, grappling losses notwithstanding, he's got a great grappling game. And I think I expect to see it come out against a guy who sometimes forgets that he needs to wrestle and do jiu-jitsu at the same time. Right. And he's fought top of the top of the division when you look at Elliott's, Elliott's record. But regardless, I'm going to go with Espinoza. I'll go with the younger, uh, younger, bigger guy. But um that's good, but we have to have a couple things different. That way I can end up uh, winning again this week. So uh, that's the plan, at least. Uh, let's tell you, uh, before we go into the prelims, the main prelims, let's tell you about BetterLand.Vegas. Uh, we spoke about earlier. Vegas is like YouTube, but it's for what hashtag the gens only care about, which would be sports betting. Best part is you can get free video pay from SGP and crew. Um, I put up a video every week, and I actually got gay winners last week. So um, it's always good to check out my picks and see um, – that I haven't shaved and that I haven't have had one haircut in the past year or so because everything's always locked down. Um, meanwhile, over on Top Turtle channel, I saw today Dan is looking fresh in his video. <laughs> he's young and handsome, and he's not all beaten down by life like I am. But uh, regardless, make sure you check out Top Turtle's uh, videos too. I think – did you give him a winner or a loser? I'm trying to think. I, I gave them a canceled week. fight. Uh, I, took, oh, okay, right, right. <laughs> I took Cowboy Oliveira over um, – right. Ramazan Kuramagomedov. Right. Which, right. which of course, uh, never happened. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, so, anyhow, make sure you um, make sure you check out uh, the SGP page uh, over there. And while you're there, you can check out Top Turtle, too. Um, so, go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV and maybe subscribe to our channel. So, it's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. All right. Um, so yeah, that was just the early prelims. That's a pretty, uh, pretty darn good um, fight lineup right there. Um, women's strawweights: Olivia Renata Souza versus Amanda Limos. So we got a couple of Brazilians going at it here. Um, start with Souza, uh, fourteen to two as a pro, two knockouts, eight submissions. She's never been finished in a fight. 
three and one in the UFC, won her last fight, lost one before that, uh, four years younger than Lemos. Lemos, eight, one and one as a pro, five knockouts, two submissions, a two and one in the UFC. She's dropped her debut, but won her last two. An inch taller, two inches of reach. Um, of note, she used to be a bantamweight, 130, so basically two weight classes above this one's at straw weight. She used to fight it um, bantamweight, so we're talking 20 pound uh, difference there. So you'd think she'd be the bigger one in this fight. Uh, she's at minus 185. Um, this is another one of the ones I have a question mark up against, um, maybe based on the line or so. Do you have a definitive pick in this one? Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable in Lemo. Since she's come down to, to straw weight, I think, first of all, Twofold here. She's fought better competition than Livia Souza has. Like, if, if you look at Livia Souza, you know, I like Brianna Van Buren. I, I, we talked last week about how much I like Ashley Yoder, and we'll get a chance to break that fight down. But those two combined with Sarah Frota, who I think is particularly bad and no longer in the UFC, and Alex Chambers, who I think went, like, 1-13 in 13 in the UFC and kept getting chances. Like, neither of those two are really high-level opponents. Meanwhile, Lemos is fighting... You know, Mizuki Inoue, who's who's really good, and Miranda Granger, who, who I've enjoyed her grappling, but just got, you know, rear naked choked in almost no time by Amanda Lemos. So, like, in addition to that, look at the, I mean, look at the grappling numbers. Amanda Lemos, takedown accuracy, 100%. She tries to take you down, you go down. Takedown defense, 100%. Somebody tries to take her down, they don't have a chance. And then you could say the same thing about Livia Souza, which, granted, you know, like, she got out-wrestled by Rihanna Van Buren for some of these numbers, but we're talking 44% and 40%. So, like, the grappling numbers heavily favor Lemos. And in addition to that, too, like, I just think if you look at Lemos's striking numbers, the output is incredibly higher, right? Like, she's throwing three times as many punches as Livy Hasuza does, and it's because she, she trusts her hands and she lands. Like, she landed 83 times on Mizuki Inouye, which is really no small feat because Mizuki is a beast on the, the hands with her hands too. So, yeah, I, I like Lemos here, and, and even the number doesn't particularly scare me off. I, I'd obviously like to see it a little lower, uh, but but I like I'm pretty comfortable with Lemos here. Yeah, I was uh, I had the had a question mark, but she was. Uh, the pick I had a question mark beside, so I, I'm going to go with her, with her also. Um, now that you've, you opened my eyes to a lot of these things and and helped help me pick right. I don't know why I'm going with a guy who's got 37% accuracy, but uh, <laughs> I guess it that 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 uh, speaks of my uh, uh, um, my poor judgment in life. Um, that's I think we may differ on this one. Let's see a fly another flyweight belt, which is this is great. There's a lot of flyweights on this card, which I which I enjoy, um, and I know you do too. Um, here's with shockwave, Dave. Top turtle things. <laughs> flyweights are the way to go. Um, Rogerio Bontorin versus another one of um, City Kickboxing, aka uh, Israel Adesanya's gym. Another one of his teammates on this card, Kai Kara France. They're definitely getting their money's worth, um, flying everybody over for for one big card here. Uh, let's start with Bontorin, uh, 16 and two with one no contest, three knockouts, 11 submissions. Um, that is of note, uh, the submission number there. Uh, two and one in the UFC. He also is 1-0 and on the Contender Series. He lost his last fight. That was a year ago, so he is um, he, he has been out of action for over a year at this point. Um, he will be an inch taller than Kara France, unless Kara France has a growth spurt in the next couple of days. Um, grappling stats in his favor. Uh, he's a slight dog, plus 115. Um, Kai Kara France, 21-9 with one no contest, nine knockouts, three submissions. Of note, he's... Um, 
been subbed three times, so a third of his losses are via submission, including his last fight. Uh, he's four and two in the UFC, and only one in two over his last three fights. Two inches of reach, a year younger, minus 145. Uh, I think Bontorin is going to be one of the underdogs I'm going to roll the dice on in this one. I'm guessing you're going with Kara France. I think you're a fan of his. I, I am also a fan of Kai Kara France, and I am going with him. Yeah. You know, you mentioned again the All submissions. Right. It's worth noting, other than getting submitted by Brandon Royval, the last time he was submitted was by Mark Streigel, who is also a UFC fighter, and that was six and a half years ago. So I, I, I do think he's progressed a little bit since then. I, I think he looks a little bit better um, since he got back to the UFC. And granted, he wasn't in the UFC the first time, but he was in the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he got beat by Pantoja and, and eliminated from the show, and then they never extended him a contract. He, he went to China and, and fought a little bit in, in Australia, and then he got back to the UFC. He's looked phenomenal since then with only losing to Roy Vall and Moreno, who are both beasts. And I would say this, too. Like, if you're looking for the style that beats Kai Kara France, it's somebody who has adequate to, to above-average striking who also mixes up the grappling enough to keep you guessing. And I just don't think Bontarin falls into that enough I think he's probably going to be outclassed and definitely slower than Kaikara France on the feet. And I'm not sure he's got like enough of that like wrestler submission mentality like Roy Vall and like Marino to sort of throw Kaikara France off of his game. So yeah, I'm going to, you were right in, in predicting that I was going to go with Kaikara France. <laughs> I, I think this is going to be a really exciting fight, but I ultimately think the striking advantage and the fact that Bontarin just isn't good enough to keep him on his toes is going to lead to uh, Kai Kara France running away with it, especially late. Yeah, I like Kara France too, but I am going with the dog here. you got to roll the dice on a few of these, and I think this is one of the ones worth rolling the dice on. Um, with a fight card this big, if if we have 15, 16 fights, you're probably looking at five five underdogs. So um, I'm not saying just swing wildly for the fences, but but if, if, you, if you like a dog that um, – if you think a dog is, is worthy of, of your money, then definitely um, take it. Like uh, There could be up to five or so underdogs coming through here, um, based on stats at least. Uh, let's go with another flyweight fight. Uh, this is another crazy that this is on the undercard. Um, Joseph Benavides versus Askar Askarov. Um, we will start with, let's start with Benavides. Um, Joe B is 28 and 7 as a pro, 8 knockouts, 9 submissions, 15 and 5 in the UFC. Uh, he's lost the last two fights, but they're both to the champion, uh, Davis and Figueredo. Um, he won three. Before that, he, he won three straight to get himself into the title contention once again. He, he's basically been a perennial uh, contender ever since he's been in the UFC, and he basically was when he was in uh, WC um, back in the day, too. WC never die. Uh, he's minus 110. Oscar um, Askarov. 12-0-1 as a pro, so he's got one draw. That's basically the only... Um, blemish on his record uh three knockouts seven submissions uh, he's 201 in the ufc he's won two straight fights after drawing in his debut two inches taller two inches of reach eight years younger a uh, slight favorite minus 120 um of note um he is a deaf athlete a death deaf i can't speak a deaf athlete but doesn't seem to slow him down even though he cannot hear his his corner um he's made himself into a top level elite athlete so kudos to that so um i will be taking him in this one i hate to pick against joe b but um i'll be going with him and i like that it's only around minus 120 or so and and we're going to differ on back-to-back flyweight fights okay. i'm actually going nice. to take benavides and it's, it's weird too because uh, i think 
I've probably been a bigger Benavidez naysayer than a lot of people. Um, I, I constantly think the up-and-comer is going to come in and knock him off, or the up-and-comer is going to come in and prove themselves by beating gatekeeper Benavidez only to have him win his seventh or eighth title shot. Um, and, yep. and in the meantime, you know, he's proven me wrong, and, and instead I'm going to go with him here, especially because... You know, as time goes on, you, you mentioned he's an, a slight underdog right now. That number will probably move a little bit more towards uh, getting near, you know, plus money even. And, and I think the interesting thing for me here is that I just think Askarov is too committed to that wrestling game to really, really give Benavidez too much trouble, right? Like, because, you know, if you look at the guys who have beaten Benavidez, which granted he has seven losses on his record, they are to a grand total of four people. Uh, you know, it's it's Figueredo, Dominic Cruz, it's Mighty Mouse Johnson, and one weird blip to Sergio Pettis by split decision. So like, they're they're the best guys in the world, right? And they're guys who do a phenomenal job of striking, keeping you unaware, and then wrestling you up. Um, with the exception of obviously Figueredo, who just popped him real hard twice uh, in both fights, Benavidez is a guy who doesn't really get out wrestled unless you're like the best of the best and you're mixing things together. And Askarov, I feel like his game plan is a little bit too one dimensional. You look at that fight with Pantoja, Pantoja kept him off him for quite a bit of time. And even when he went down, he was close to subbing him, and not for anything either, just, you know, as a commentary point, Askarov has kind of a crappy gas tank. Uh, I've never been impressed with his cardio. You look at that fight with Brandon Moreno, a lot of people had him losing that last round 10-8 after, you know, doing pretty well in the early parts because he just was so tired and so beat. In that fight with Pantoja, it, both rounds, he ended with his back getting taken because it looked like either he gave up or was just getting tired towards the end of rounds. Looked really tired at the end of round two. Benavides is an awful guy to fight if you get tired because the dude doesn't get tired and he's got great sub skills too. So I, I'm going to go with Benavides here to give Askarov his first loss. Yeah, that's... Uh... It's a solid pick, uh, definitely. This could be, like you said, this is an advantageous matchup for Benavides. This isn't a guy who's going to test his chin out um, after being brutalized his past two fights, um, and he tends to not lose by submission. He only, basically, last fight was his only submission loss ever in his career, and that was uh, basically a TKO loss. He, he got knocked out and then, and then submitted, basically. Um, he got pound, pounded out. So, But uh, I'll stick with Askarov. Uh, I don't like taking an older guy who's, who's coming off being brutalized back-to-back -back fights, but uh, it's a very um, decent breakdown on Benavides, and I, I could definitely see him winning this fight. Um, I think you have very strong feelings on the next fight, so let's get into that. Bantamweight, Song Yadong versus Kyler Phillips. Um, we'll go with uh, the Philip, Mr. Phillips first. Eight and one is a pro uh, with five knockouts. Two and zero oh in the UFC. One and zero oh on the Contender Series. He's won three straight fights. He's got five inches of reach over his opponent. Uh, he also has uh, striking and grappling stats in his favor. And he's at plus one thirty currently. As for Yadong, sixteen four one and one. Uh, six knockouts, three submissions. Five zero oh and one in the UFC. Uh, two years younger, minus 160. I think I'm going to go with Yadong in this one. And it, I think we're going to go opposite for three straight fights. Oh, yeah? I'm going to take Kyler Phillips in this one as the underdog. I, I do like Song Yadong. Uh, for the record, I did have him losing that fight to Marlon Vera, which would have put him on a two-fight losing streak. 
I think that this is one of those harder fights to call because Kyler Phillips has looked so good in the UFC and he has fought nobody. Uh, you, you, you look at his fights, he's fought Cameron Else, and before that he fought Gabriel Silva, and if you want to count his, you know, his contender series fight, he fought James Gray, and those are three names you've probably never heard before. So, um, with that being said, you know, like, haven't seen him against the highest level of competition, but I do like the way that his game seems to have evolved since we saw him on the Ultimate Fighter. You know, you saw him on the Ultimate Fighter, he looked like this, like, rangy striker who was lost when it hit the ground, and in his last fight, he looked so good with his takedowns in his top game. And I think when you add the fact that, like, that wrestling has given Song Yudong trouble in the last couple of fights, he's a good offensive wrestler, but lately he hasn't looked like a great defensive wrestler. Uh, I, I think it opens another avenue for Kyler Phillips, who I already thought had an advantage on the feet. So with all that being said you know the caveat is definitely in there that this is a hard fight to call because of the level of opponent difference one fought marlon vera and cody stamen the other one fought cameron ellis and gabriel silva so hard to match those up and hard to weigh that but like at the end of the day i like how kyler phillips seems to be evolving especially you know he's he's really young guy too you know we're talking about 25 year old guy song Yudong also young but the fact of the matter is I've seen more develop out of Kyler Phillips lately, and it seems to be in a way that would be detrimental to Song Yudong. All right, interesting, interesting. Um, Eek behind the curtain, Kyler Phillips and Mario Batista are both on Top <laughs> Turtle pod- podcast this week, and Dan picked both of them to win, which I, I, I'm sensing a pattern um, over the years years of I have, listening. I have um, picked against quite a <laughs> few of my guests too, and I feel bad doing it every time, but I, I picked against Jared Vandera correctly. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I haven't, I haven't, maybe that's something I'll have to do the stats on. I haven't broken <laughs> down all the numbers. So, but, um, that's, that's to break down the numbers for, for the main event of the prelims, which is a heck of a main event. Uh, it's former champ Dominic Cruz, uh, in a bantamweight fight, uh, against Casey Kenny, uh, bantamweight whose mouth has gotten him in, into trouble recently. And he's gone on the de- down low since then. Um, but that has no, outcome on the fight at all here let's start with mr cruz whose mouth has gotten him in trouble in the past also um <laughs> 22 and 22 and three for different reasons but still 22 and three as a pro uh seven knockouts one submission so you're not going to get many finishes in dominant cruz fights five and two in the ufc which is insane he's only an all-time great and he's been in the ufc since 2010 and he's only fought seven times which is a shame um he's dropped his last two fights he has an inch of reach on Kenny, uh, grappling stats in his favor. He is a slight underdog at minus 105. As for Kenny, 16-2-1, and one, one draw, um, two knockouts, five submissions, never been finished in a fight, 5-1 in the UFC, 1-1 on the contender series, so it took a couple kicks of the can to get in. Uh, he's won three straight fights. He's six years younger than Cruz, minus 125. Uh, I'll be going with Mr. Kenny in this one. Yeah, we're finally agreeing again here. Okay. I, I like Casey Kenny, too. It, it, man, it, you know, you mentioned he's got one loss. That is to Marab Tavalashvili, so it's certainly not a bad loss in there either. It, the thing about me for this fight is if I was picking this and had any confidence that Dominic Cruz was old Dominic Cruz, I'd pick him. Right, like Dominic Cruz in his heyday, Dominic Cruz healthy, you know, rangy, moving, gives Casey Kenny a lot of problems. I, I just don't think that Dominic Cruz exists anymore. You know, I, I think I think that Dominic Cruz is long gone. And if he's hittable in any way, Casey Kenny is going to be in his face hitting him. And I'm not 
positive that Dominic Cruz even has a wrestling advantage anymore. You know, Casey Kenny has shown in the last couple of fights that he also is a pretty damn talented wrestler. I mean, I love Nathaniel Wood. I think Nathaniel Wood has got a really bright future too. And really, he got out grappled by Casey Kenny, and Casey Kenny poured on the strikes. They both landed more than 120 punches. Um, you know, in Casey Kenny was just barely coming off that fight where he had jacked up Haile Alatang uh, with those body kicks that were brutal. So, yeah, I just think Kenny's output is going to be enough to match that Dominic Cruz. Like, I just throw a lot of punches. His punches are going to look like they impact him more. And just like, I think ultimately he's going to be fresher, moving better. Um, and, and, you know, I, I will throw that caveat in there. If we do have the Dominic Cruz as of old... He probably comes in here and beats Casey Kenny and makes us all look silly. I just think uh, holding out hope for that is is almost a, a fool's errand here. Yeah, it's hard. Um, I love WC so much, and I'm getting against both the WC guys. Hard. I, I don't think there's any other. I think they're just yeah, Ben and Beatrice Cruz. But got to go with the brain, not with the heart here. Um, so that is just the prelims. Uh, we still have the big main card coming up, and looking over this card. Um, Looks like there's no hashtag chunky guys on it. Uh, just a shame. A, just a shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which uh, that's the one thing the card's lacking. But um, before we give you your hashtag ad-free uh, main card, which I always like to bring you, uh, let's tell you about one more of our lovely sponsors. This will be Better Edge, B-E-T-T-O-R Edge. Uh, Better Edge allows you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. Best part is it allows you to bet with no vig, since you're buying positions from other sports betters. There's no house. So that's, that's uh, you hear that correctly. That's no vig betting, and it's legal in more than 40 of the U.S. states. Uh, it's first betting without a vig. You literally can't beat it. So sign up today. Better Edge, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com, and use the promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. So B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com, promo code SGP. And like I always say, promo code SGP will get you many things in life. So always always go with that. Um, this is Let's start with a fight which – basically is a headliner on any fight night card uh, around a light heavyweight battle between Diego Santos, Alexander Rakic. Um, let's start with Santos, former title contender, um, whose fiance Yana Kuniskaya uh, screwed us over a couple weeks ago by winning her <laughs> fight. We picked, we picked against her, but kudos to her. Um, Santos, 21 and eight as a pro 15 knockouts, one submission. He is 13 and seven in the UFC. Dropped two straight fights after winning four straight. Uh, he has a big, scary hammer type <laughs> tattoo tattoo on his chest, kind of Brock Lesnar. Only rivaled by Brock Lesnar's. <laughs> yes, um, he is plus 135 in this one. Um, Rakic 13 and two as a pro, nine knockouts, one submission, five and one in the UFC. Won his last fight uh, before dropping his uh, only UFC um, loss was the fight before that. Is what I'm trying to spit out here. Uh, two inches taller, two inches of reach, eight years younger, striking and grappling stats in his favor, uh, minus 165. I will be riding with him. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna ride with Rachic here. I think the thing for me in this fight is, first of all, you know, people really high on Santos after the John Jones fight. But remember, not a lot of guys at light heavyweight are going to give him the same kind of fight as John Jones gave him, right? John Jones wanted to play like a an outside striking game. It allowed Tiago Santos to like find his range and look for his big shot and all that kind of stuff. 
he's not going to get that fight with somebody like Rachich. Rachich is going to get in his face and make him make decisions early. And I mean, if you look back at Tiago Santos's record, Tiago Santos notoriously does not do particularly well early in fights. You know, it takes him to the second or third round to sort of figure things out because he does need to learn about range and he does need to feel out his opponent. And I just think Rachich is not the type of guy who lets you feel it out. It's also worth noting you know, like Glover Teixeira kind of built a game plan to beat Tiago Santos. You know, put that man on his back and make him work off of his back. Uh, and Rachich, you know, despite being a guy who comes from a Muay Thai background, has showed he has surprisingly good wrestling in, in multiple fights. You know, the Ledette fight sticks out to me is showing some really good wrestling. But, like, you know, he's shown it time and time again. So I think he's got multiple avenues to victory. I actually think that this is a decent fight to hashtag throw in a parlay if you want, because the number is, you know, I, I think safe, but also not crazy tempting in its own right. So I, I like Rachich here. And, and like I said, I, I like it probably if you're boosting it with somebody else. All right, there you go. Um, we got one of our hashtags in. I mean, no chunky guys, but we got to throw them in a parlay. Um, lightweight, Islam Makashev versus Drew Dober. Uh, Dober, 23-9 with one no contest, 10 knockouts, 6 submissions, 9-5 in the UFC, 9-5, 1 no contest in the UFC. Um, he's won three straight fights, all via a form of KO slash TKO, 6-1, um, and one, so he's won six of his last seven, that would mean. Uh, by my math, he's at plus 255 on this one, uh, besides underdog. Because Makashev is quite a beast. He's 18-1 as a pro. Three knockouts, seven submissions, seven and one in the UFC. He's won six straight fights. Of note, he hasn't been hasn't fought since September 2019, so it's quite a layoff for him. Uh, he was suspended for a while. Was no, he was. Has he been back from suspension? Yeah, he, he's been back uh, since then, I think. But he was suspended ages ago. Um, two inches taller, three years younger. Striking and grappling stats in his favor. He's at minus 330. Uh, I'm going with him because he's a monster. Yeah, not only is he a monster too. I, I mean, like the the big thing is, is I think Drew Dober is very good. I think that this is a nightmare matchup for him, right? Islam Makachev is what we think of when we think of that classic Russian fighter. Loves the takedowns, quite good at them, gets them in droves. And we're talking about Drew Dober, a guy who just conceded three takedowns to Alexander Hernandez, who just showed, you know, maybe he's not the greatest offensive wrestler in the history of mankind, uh, nor is he the greatest tactician. So, for him to have taken Dober down that many times without me really feeling very confident in his his offensive grappling, I, I don't have a lot of faith in the fact that Dober stays off of his back for more than five minutes in this fight. So unless he lands the big hammer, this is Makachev's fight, and it's Makachev's fight fairly easily. Yep. Of note, they were supposed to fight five years ago, and then Makachev uh, failed a drug test. So they've been around for a while, and they've, uh, they're have they finally actually going to fight uh, five years later. Um Rest of the card is only title fights. How crazy is that? Um, we'll start with the men's bantamweight title fight. New champ Peter Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. Um, Sterling finally getting his long-awaited title shot. Um, he's 19 and three with two knockouts, eight submissions. He's 11 and three in the UFC. He's been around forever. He's won five straight fights. Uh, he's got four inches of reach and the striking stats in his favor. He's a very slight plus 100 underdog to the champ. Jan is 15 and one, with seven knockouts, one submission, never been finished in his one loss. He was uh, it was via decision. Seven and zero in the UFC. He's won 10 straight fights. Uh, four years younger, minus 130. 
30. Um, I'm going to stick with the champ in this one. Um, are you, I'm thinking you might take Sterling. What are your thoughts? I am a hundred percent going to take Sterling. Oh, there we fight. go. Yeah. And I, think, I know you so well. I think we also probably talked about this when we talked about like uh, the beginning of the year when we were breaking down some of the odds that were going to be coming. But for me, the difference maker in this is that I, I do think Aljamain Sterling is a far better grappler. I also think people underestimate how good Aljamain Sterling uses range on his feet. Uh, because, yes, uh, Peter Jan does a very good job of striking. He's got some phenomenal striking numbers. But, like, let's look at the fact that Aljamain Sterling not only landed 100 punches on Jimmy Rivera, but he limited Jimmy Rivera to landing 24. Jimmy Rivera just landed more than that on Pedro Munoz with one leg. You know, and he landed two or three times as many of that on Jimmy or on Pedro Munoz with one leg. Aljamain Sterling then put almost 200 punches on Pedro Munoz. Again, with Pedro Munoz landing about half that. So we're talking about a guy who does a phenomenal job of all of that, while also probably being the best grappler in the division. And I think that that's worth noting, too, about just how good he is at grappling. It's also worth mentioning that, you know, when we go back and we look at Peter Jan's record, if you're looking for the best fighter that P- Peter Jan has fought in his UFC career, the answer is probably Jimmy Rivera, right? Like he has not fought a murder's row of people to get to the UFC title. You know, he fought Jin Su Chu and Teruto Ishihara and Douglas Andrade, John Dodson and Jimmy Rivera, and then had a title shot. Like, that, that is his, his path to the title. And it's not impressive after that either with Uriah Faber and Jose Aldo both over the hill. I'm not impressed by his resume. And did he look good in those fights? Yeah, but, like, you should. If you're anywhere near the top of the division, you should. Aljamain Sterling beat the hell out of Jimmy Rivera, who is his best win and arguably did it better than, than Peter Jan. I, I think Jimmy Rivera, having fought the gauntlet of the toughest guys in the division... First of all, that gives him an experience leg up. And second of all, I think that grappling difference is going to be so clear here because Jan has used his grappling offensively quite well in his career. And I don't think he has the ability to mix it up here. It's, yeah, very, once again, very persuasive um, breakdown. I, I'm not going to be a flip flopper, but. Um... Yeah, I, I could definitely see Sterling winning. That's basically why the odds are, are so close. And it would be fun, actually, to, to have him uh, be the champ. But uh, I'll stick with the chalk. And Dan is picking the first new champion crowned uh, um, on this night. It's, I'm guessing the next fight he's not going to do the same. Because uh, <laughs> that would be a women's featherweight fight against the best women's fighter of all – with the best women's fighter of all time, Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson. Um Let's talk about Anderson. Um, 11 and four as a pro, six knockouts, three submissions, uh, three and two in the UFC, but she's won two straight fights. That's what's gotten her into this title fight. Uh, also, with the fact there's about what three or four true women fe- women featherweights I'm, I'm not uh, even on the sure whole roster. That many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, she has been out of action uh, for over a year. It was February 2020 when she uh, last fought. She will be four inches taller, three inches of reach. So that will be something Nunes probably is not accustomed to, finding someone that is actually bigger than her. Um, she's also two years younger. She's at plus 750 in this <laughs> fight, though. Um, so I don't think any of that size is going to matter because um, Nunes definitely has the strength advantage in that. Um, Nunes, 22 and four. Uh, 13 knockouts, three submissions, 13 and one in the UFC, uh, 11 straight wins. Um, she's been 
what stopped once. She got TKO'd in 2015. That was the only time she's been stopped in a fight, I believe. Uh, striking grappling stats in her favor, minus 1,100. Um, she's the obvious pick, but uh, uh, unless you're going to put her in a whole bunch of different parlays, there's really really no reason to, to, to go anywhere near this fight. Unless, I guess, stop it. She could probably get a little bit better number, but, but not greatly yeah not worth betting probably yeah i, I just looked the the submission line is maybe the most tempting that's about plus 180 um and, yeah and I, i'm still not sure i'd like that because i do expect her no. to win this by tko and, and that's yep. you're still finding that at like negative 400 and and even that's not really tempting to me to throw in parlays because i think there's a chance that Megan Anderson stays safe enough here to make it to five round decision. I, I think it's probably not likely. The, the problem for me here for Megan Anderson is, yes, she does have power in her hands, but she's also shown a little bit of a weakness when it comes to grappling. And Amanda Nunes, if anything, has shown her willingness to do what she needs to do to beat her opponent. She's not one of those fighters who's like, I'm going to go out there and just do me. And then whoever steps in won't be able to deal with that. She adapts incredibly well. Um, it, it reminds me a lot of the, the game plans of, of Alexander Volkanovsky. She is fine with just completely changing herself into a different person because she can. And it's what would make the win the easiest as possible. And I think what you're going to see here, this fight will be on the feet for, oh, five seconds before Amanda Nunes gets in on those legs is in full mount and is just pounding away at, at Aman, or, uh, Megan Anderson until this is over. So I think this is quick. If you are looking to put some money down on it, I would suggest not taking your hundred bucks and putting it on a negative 1400 line or whatever the heck you said it was. It'll probably be negative 2000 by fight time. So um, I, I would suggest not doing that. Maybe pick a round you think she might finish it in. That might be a little bit more fun, but uh, ultimately, yeah, the right pick here, regardless of what these odds look like, is is Amanda Nunes. It sounds like uh, from your breakdown, you're thinking, and I'm agreeing, TKO round one might be a good a good pick. Here. I think so, but again, like I said, like so, Nunes is really smart when it comes to game planning. You know, Megan Anderson, right. in my opinion, her only route to victory here is is a is a knockout. It is if she throws the big blow and lands. So I expect Megan or Amanda Nunes not to fight that game. Of course, I could have the wrong read here. She trains an American top team. Those coaches are 40 times smarter than I am, at least. They might see some weakness in the way that, you know, Megan Anderson strikes and it fits perfectly with Amanda Nunes' game. And the easiest thing to do is to just go in there and crack her on the chin once. So, you know, maybe they play that game and she survives for a little bit until it, uh, Nunes lands that bomb. But... Yeah, like if you're looking for something that might be fun to play, uh, yeah, maybe Amanda Nunes round one. Uh, Amanda Nunes round two is is plus 300. Maybe you think Anderson survives for five minutes. That's probably the best use of your $100, but uh, ultimately the best use of your $100 is to just stay away from this fight. <laughs> yep, no doubt. Keep it in your pocket. Um, and let's, let's go to a champ versus it. Let's finish this off with a champ versus champ fight. Why not? Uh, as if this card doesn't have enough on it already. Uh, it will be a light heavyweight uh, title fight between the light heavyweight champ and the middleweight champ. Light heavyweight champ would be the newly crowned Jan Blachowicz. Um, he is 27 and 8 with 8 knockouts and 9 submissions. 
10 and 5 in the UFC. He's won four straight fights, uh, but he will be plus 200 underdog against the middleweight champ, uh, Israel Adesanya, who is moving up to light heavyweight for the first time in his MMA career, um, or his pro MMA career at least. Um, and his kickboxing, basically, he was at least his last few fights were basically around the middleweight uh, weight limit too. So um, this will definitely be a step up in weight for him. And it sounds like he's not. Basically, he's he's not looking to put on extra weight. He's just not going to do much of a weight cut. So he basically walks around around the 205 limit. So um, whether that will be successful or not, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, he is 20-0 as a pro, 15 knockouts, a 9-0 in the UFC, two inches taller and two inches of reach, six years younger. Striking stats in his favor, minus 255. And I am picking a new champion in this one. Uh, Adesanya will become double champ after Saturday night. Yeah, I, I agree with you on this one. You you want to see the light heavyweight division move forward, right? Like you want to see, right. uh, uh, you know, I mean, if Adesanya wins, what's going to happen? Is he going to defend this title ever? Is he going back to middleweight? Is he going to abandon middleweight? You know, like I... I notoriously have hated uh, these champ champ super fights for so long. And, and I want to say that I want Jan Blankovic to win because I want him to fight Glover to Sharon. I want Glover to get that shot. It's not going to happen. Like Israel Adesanya is so flashy on the feet and he is so good at staying elusive. And if he's too fast for Robert Whitaker, he's too fast for Jan Blankovic. If he's too elusive for those guys down at middleweight, he is 100% too elusive for Jan Blankovic. And yes, Jan Blankovic looked great knocking out Dominic Reyes, but, you know, Dominic Reyes had not fought like a, a murderer's row of dangerous, heavy-handed strikers before. Whereas Israel Adesanya has fought some really dangerous strikers. So, I mean, like, I think that this is a pretty clear stylistic matchup where while while some people might want to say Jan Blankovic has got the size advantage, Jan Blankovic has fought at this heavier weight class, Izzy's got the reach. Izzy's got the speed. Izzy fights a rangy style, which is, you know, designed to stay away from power punchers. Like, it's just an awful matchup for the champ. And it, it's sad to think that there, there's a pretty high probability that his title reign is going to last uh, zero total fights. Um, but I think that that's what happens. And, and what's really interesting to this to me is I thought the reason they wanted Izzy at 205 here was to set up the John Jones match. Have you yep. seen John Jones lately? Yeah, he's like 250 yeah, pounds or something now. He isn't looks he? like his brothers. Like he looks, yep. he looks like Chandler Jones, like or, or even Arthur Jones. Like he looks like, you know, like he's a tank. So there's no way he's going back to 205. So I, I guess the only way that happens is mucking up a third division if it comes down to it. Which man, it, it's so disheartening to like both love Israel Adesanya, love that he's gonna be a superstar and hate the fact that this is probably going to be the way that all of these divisions get tied up. Right. Yeah. If, uh, if, and when he wins, um, which we're predicting he does, hopefully they, they won't cause they've never in the past, but hopefully they make a quick decision as to, uh, him dropping one of the belts. Um, but the, the, sort of yeah, the problem with that though, too, is they already have a middleweight fight booked between the two contenders. You know, like like right. uh, Paulo Boroshina, yeah, Costa is, yep. is fighting Whitaker. So like, if he was planning on dropping middleweight, like they could have announced that fight afterwards and put the title on the line. Uh, yeah. And so like, it seems like he's not planning on doing that. It seems like they want him to hold both. 
so that when he goes to fight John Jones at heavyweight, they can say champ champ versus champ champ uh, in the first guy ever to chase three belts at the same time. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame, but it, he's he's a fun fighter, and so uh, and he's basically going up against a journeyman. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, with all all, all um, uh, to, total respect to him for for making uh, himself a UFC champion, but he's ten and five in the UFC. He's he's basically a journeyman fighter who's got hot at the right time in, in the right division. He's, he's the Michael Bisping of light heavyweight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no disrespect, obviously, even after we've disrespected him totally there. But, um, now, well, we spoke uh, about a few props and parlays we like. Um, we're thinking if you want to play Nunes and, and play her uh, via stoppage in one of the early rounds, uh, any others that you like here? You, you mentioned the submission one, I think, earlier on. Did you not? Um, or maybe not? Um, yeah, not I, this week. I actually think that I'm a pretty big fan of the idea that um, Tim Tim Elliott comes out with a submission. Okay. Yeah. And so if you're, really? if you're looking for a prop, I, I do like Tim Elliott by submission. You can make that line a little juicier that way. I also think if you're gonna play Carlos Olberg um, against Kennedy Zuchuku, uh, like the negative 200 line, I don't think is bad to start with Olberg. But like, I also think the probability of if he wins, it is much more likely he wins by knockout. And so I, I think I would get all over that. And, you know, I, I don't mean to throw prop after prop after prop at people, but I also think, uh, you know, taking uh, Ursos Medic uh, by knockout is a smart move. You know, Cruz is coming off just being knocked out. Medic is a finisher. Medic has got crazy pressure. So, again, I like the negative 170-ish line you're seeing him at. But in addition to that, uh, I think he probably goes in there and, and knocks him out as well. All right, there you go. And you mentioned some parlays already, so we don't really have to go into those. Um, you mentioned some hashtag throw them into parlay during the um, during the broadcast already. Um, now we started picking lock picks last week, and both of our lock picks fell through. They didn't even fight. <laughs> we're both O and O. Exactly. We're we're uh, perfect in this one. Now I had first pick last week, so let's let's give you first pick this week. Do you have a lock pick for us? Absolutely. So my lock pick is going to be Alexander Rachich. Um, you know when when I'm picking these lock picks, I don't want to tell you that you know, and this should be your pick if you've only got a hundred dollars and you can't bet a hundred dollars on every fight. Which one do you go and you get that win for sure? I don't want to send you to somebody who's not going to give you any return. I don't want to send you to somebody who, you know, you're going to get 33 bucks on your, your $100 bet. But I do want to give you somebody who I know is going to win. And I think Rachich is that guy, you know, a negative plus or negative 155, negative 160, depending on your book. You know, he, he's going to get you like a $65 return for your 100 bucks. I think, you know, the path to victory for him against Santos, th- there's a hundred of them. I think he could wrestle him. I think he could knock him out early. I think he could, you know, stand and bang with him for three rounds. And, and I just think, too, that the speed that he's going to force Santos to deal with and get in his face is going to make it so Santos can't figure him out. So, yeah, my lock is going to be Alexander Rachich. All right. I am going for a guy in the similar uh, betting range in Euroschmedic. Uh, that was actually um, going to be my other one. I had it down to those two. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yep. So he he's at minus 170 against Alan Cruz. Um, if you want to even spice it up, you can pick him via knockout. Cruz has been knocked out before. Um, 
Cruz has been out for over a year and he's lost his UFC debut. So I think a lot of things are adding up for, uh, for, for the doctor to, to win this one. So he will be my, my lock pick. So we got Rikic and Medic um, going with the Europeans in this, uh, on this card. So, which means both those guys fights will fall through <laughs> before Saturday rolls. That's around. what we're actually predicting with our locks of the night, by the way, these, exactly. are, these are the locks to definitely not have getting a chance to fight on Saturday. <laughs> exactly. Um, anything else we need to say other than this should be a, a pretty awesome fight card? Yeah, no, I'm excited for it, and, and especially with you know you said already a lot of flyweight fights on it, which is super exciting. Yeah. And you know how often do you get to see two former you know title challengers or title winners even in Dominic Cruz fighting on the prelims like this? So yeah, this is yep. this is probably my number one can't miss card of the year. Yeah, and I'm hoping we don't have a whole bunch of decisions like we did last week, or this is going to be a super, super long card. Because there's a lot of fights on it, and then there's three five-round fights to, to top off the card. So this could be um, very – and the main card's going to start until 10 Eastern, so this could be a very, very long evening if Megan Anderson doesn't end things quick and, and uh, other people do the same. Yeah, yeah, it's, it would be, and you said the prelims start at 6, too. If they're going to fit all yeah. those prelims in before the main card at 10, uh, we must be in, in line for some pretty nice pacing, or uh, Hopefully. or else we're going to be in trouble. Hopefully. All right. Uh, um, hopefully our picks didn't get you in trouble, um, or don't get you in trouble. That was like a shockwave Dave uh, transition I did there, wasn't it? He always does stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. He's the king of he's the king of the uh, the the fancy transition like that. The... Exactly. I, I'm I'm getting the hang of this. 18 episodes in. Um, make sure you listen to Shockwave Dave and and Dan every week on Top Turtle uh, MMA. Um, like I said, this week they'll be speaking with Mario Bautista and Kyler Phillips, who a couple guys are fighting on this week's uh, fight card. Make sure you also you listen to his prelim picker. Um, Maybe uh, whoever's guest is this week will have different ideas on on who they like in the prelims to give you a different perspective on things. Um, Make sure you check out all the work on MMA-Manifesto.com and, of course, on SportsGamblingPodcast.com and over on Twitter. Make sure you follow me. I'm up to like 920, so I'm getting getting there. I want to get over 1,000, and then I can – be in the same i guess it's not even the same ballpark as dan's dan so dan's over three thousand for some reason he must put there must be nudes on on his twitter feed that i haven't seen there's got to be nudes um but anyhow uh he's at gumby at gumby vreeland uh i'm at jeff fox writer w-r-i-t-e-r so make sure you follow both of us and we'll be back next week to tell you how we did on we have quite a few different picks this week so one of us probably will be happy next week and one of us will be will not be quite so happy. So we will um, tell you how we did and we'll break down. Um, we'll be up to Edwards versus Muhammad. Remember the name Bilal Muhammad. Oh, we'll be headlining card March 13th. So um, until that time though, um, I bid you farewell and thank you for listening. completely forgot that Bilal Muhammad was the main event next week. How could you forget I his forgot name? the name! <laughs> You're supposed to remember the name. <laughs>
It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter, and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. Your home is more connected than ever. So when one kid is schooling the competition, got it. The other is getting schooled. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And you're streaming a webinar for work and the latest episode of your favorite show at the same time. Shh. Your Wi-Fi needs to be able to handle it. That's why Xfinity never stops working to bring you faster, more reliable Wi-Fi. So you can do it all, all at the same time. Xfinity. The future of awesome. Learn more at Xfinity.com.